We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We have some more super chats here. Uh, thanks, Zibby, for that super chat, by the way. Got another one from him. Uh, from what you've seen in camp, how is Tobias, uh, Tobias Merriweather's jump ball skills? This is an area he's got to get better at. He's got good timing. He's got great length. He's just got to get stronger. And that's what we've seen. him. I've seen Tobias snatch the ball out of the air impressively in these type of situations, and then it just gets knocked out, right? Like, that's the key, is is learning some of the the the, the craft stuff you can do as a receiver. So, like – if you high point a ball and you're in the end zone and your back's of the back line and you're coming down and you've got a guy in front of you, when you catch it, you bring it behind, don't bring it down, you know, because the DB is going to be taught to punch up. So you'll see guys catch it and then stay up or bring it back. Um, you know, there's other things you can do where you've got to catch and you've got to learn to turn your shoulders. I mean, there's like things like that, that as you get some more experience, he'll learn those things. That's part of the craft of, of wide receiver play. But the biggest thing for Tobias is he's just going to have to continue to get stronger and stronger and stronger to where you can't muscle it away from him like that. And that's going to be a key for him. But as far as like the length, the timing, he's a, he can leap. He can get up really high. Uh, my wife has a picture that she took from the game on Saturday. For those of you who don't know, my wife does photography for uh, Notre Dame games. Uh, but like where he, he scores the touchdown against Central Michigan and, and he's jumping up in the air. And she got kind of a, like a photo, like right when he's at the top of his jump. And I'm like, good Lord, that kid can get up like that. That kid can really get off the ground and, and he can do all that. He's a springy kid. It's just strength. That's really the thing is getting knocked. And strength is not just about holding on to the ball when you come down. Strength is also about, you know, can can you stay on your track? A strong receiver can stay on his track when he's running vertically. A guy that's not as strong is gonna is gonna a little bit more easily get knocked off of his track. And that's a big part of of being effective, an effective pass catcher as well, is you know, can you stay, can you stay on your track? Or are you gonna get knocked off your track? That's that's a big part of of um, you know, being a, an effective contested ball type of guy is is that kind of stuff right there and that's that, those are areas where Tobias is going to have to get get better. He's got the potential and you'd like to see him get it done, but that that's that's the big key for me. I believe you had a couple more super chats down here, one from Shelton Hager. Thank you Shelton. I'm so freaking ready for tomorrow night. I was born in 1991. 
But if I was around in 1988, I'd have to think it felt something like this that year. Go Irish beat OSU. I, you know, I, I wasn't around then. I wasn't around. And I, I would think it 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 had to feel closer to Miami in 88 than Florida State in 93. I need to ask some of my older friends about this because I'd be very curious about this answer too, Sheldon. And the reason I say I would think it was more like Miami than Ohio State than than Florida State is because Miami was a power program at the time. Like they were a big dog. They were the defending champs. They, like I said, they were the number one team. They had won thirty some straight games in a row. Like they were that team. I, I remember it was thirty. It was it was thirty something regular season games in a row. It was actually what 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 their winning streak was because they had lost to um, Penn state in, um, in the, I think it was the orange bowl in 1985. So they had won a, a bunch of games in a row. Uh, no, it was actually Tennessee. It was, was it Penn state was, was that 86, 86 is when Penn, they lost to Penn state, you know, but if you go back, they had the last time they had lost a regular season game was Florida to open up the 85 season. So they won 10 straight in 1985 they won 11 straight in 1986. They won uh, 11 straight regular season in 19 in, in 1987. And then they come out in 1988. They had already beaten number one Florida State, 31 nothing. They went on the road, beat number 15 Michigan. They beat Wisconsin 23-3. They beat Missouri 55 to nothing. So they had won 30-some regular season games in a row and were just a really, really hot team. And that like Florida state was also really good back then. I mean, Florida state was a great team, but Florida state was more of a, uh, an up and coming program. They were, they were more like what Notre Dame is now. If anything, Florida state, and some of you might, I'd be curious what some of you think about this. Like Florida state 93 was more of Notre Dame now. And Notre Dame was more of in the shoes that Ohio state is where, you know, like it's it was a little longer since Ohio State's won their title. It's like what nine years now, where Notre Dame was like five years removed from their last title. But Notre Dame was the established big boy. You know, Florida State had been ranked high, but they hadn't really earned that that type of standing. You know, the year they'd lost to Miami every year, lost to Miami in nineteen ninety two, lost to Miami and Florida in nineteen ninety one, lost to Miami and Auburn in nineteen ninety. The two best teams that you played. You know, 1989, they lost to Southern Miss and Clemson. You know, 1988, that was, I think, Dion's last year. They lost to Miami again, 31 to nothing. So, like, they were kind of, you know, like what Notre Dame is now, kind of like what Clemson was, where, yeah, yeah, you guys are talented, you guys are good, but you guys don't win the big games. Notre Dame was the established team, and then they weren't able to beat Notre Dame that day. Where in 88, Notre Dame was where they are now, where they were the team that, you know, hadn't won in over a decade at the time. I mean, their last title was in 77 at the time. You know, Miami was the defending champ. They were that team. They were the Georgia, the Alabama of that era, and Notre Dame beat them. So I would imagine this game is much, much closer to that than the 93 game. And and so to your point about that 88 game, I, I would think it was similar to what it is now. And there's... There's some other differences, you know, two polar opposite programs in so many different ways, you know, geographically, all that. At least Ohio State and Notre Dame share geography. It's like, what, four, four and a half hours from Columbus to South Bend, you know, so, but, but they're so, they're also still very different programs in a lot of different ways, very different fan bases. There is no, no doubt about that.
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The game Notre Dame fans have been waiting for all season is here as the Fighting Irish get ready to play the Ohio State Buckeyes. And if you're still looking for tickets to this titanic battle, Game Time is the place for you. They take the stress out of buying tickets. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. That's gametime.co. So, good question, Shelton. Tristan Paul with a super chat. Thank you, Tristan. If Ohio State loses to us, then Michigan this year, would you consider their program on the on the temporary decline? Well, it depends on how you define that, Tristan. I think a case could be made that it would show that they're on a temporary decline if you counted temporary decline as just how did this season go relative to past seasons, then sure, yeah, that would be because the last time Ohio State lost two games in a year, I believe was 2017, was the last time Ohio State lost two regular season games uh, in the same season. So I'm going to actually just make sure of that. I know, they lost, I know they lost two in 2017. They lost to Oklahoma and lost to Iowa. 18, the only loss was to Purdue. 19, they didn't lose until the postseason. 20, they didn't lose until the postseason. 21, they only had one loss. Uh, no, 22, or 2021, they did lose two games. I forgot about the Oregon game in 2021. So, you know, in that regard, sure, you can call it a temporary decline. I, I don't – here's the thing. 
boy, that's a good man. It's a good question because as I'm talking through it, Tristan, I forgot that they lost two games in 2021. You could really say that if Ohio State loses two games this year in the regular season to Michigan and Notre Dame, that you could just say they're on the decline period, not even just temporary, to where they have to then go out in the postseason and into next season and show that they're not a, they're, that they're not Clemson. Because here's my here's my point. If Ohio State loses these two games, because this is what's at stake for Ohio State this year, if Ohio State loses this game to Notre Dame, and let's just say they lose a third straight to Michigan, which I don't think is going to happen, but but let's say they do. What's what makes them different from Clemson? What they the last three years they haven't they haven't won a playoff game, right? In the last three years, they only made it once and they got beat. It was a close game, but they got beat. They will have lost two games in the regular season and two of the last three seasons. What what makes them different from Clemson at that point in time? They're now still living off the reputation. You'll have had so, so 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, almost a decade since their last title. The only time they made it to the championship game in that stretch, they got blown out. So, like, what would make them different from Ohio State or from Clemson? You know, that that's a decline from where they were from 2014 to to 2000 and in really 19, right? Where they were a one loss team. The 17 year was the anomaly. You know, one of your losses was to a, a, I mean, I still feel like Oklahoma was the best team in college football that year. That, that Oklahoma team was tremendous. They just ran into a bad matchup against Georgia. I I've said this out. It's one of the things, you know, you, you just believe in, no one can prove you differently and you can't prove anybody that that you're right. It's just a feeling. But I've I've said this: if Georgia, if if Oklahoma would have been able to make a stop against Georgia in the in the in the, in the fourth quarter or in overtime and beat Georgia, they'd have won a championship. They'd have beat Alabama that year. I, I wholeheartedly believe that they matched up very well against Bama that year. So, but they didn't. And but that team beat Ohio State at Ohio State. It was a really good football team with Baker Mayfield. And then they just had a fluky game against Iowa. Just you know, had an early pick six, just some some stuff really just it was just one of those days, like I mentioned earlier, just one of those days where the just not your day. And that that day they lost in Iowa at Iowa, man. Like it was like 54 to to 56 to 24. I mean, Iowa's not a 30 plus point better team than Ohio State. They're not even a better team than Ohio State. Just on that day, though, they were. And you know, if they'd have played again the next week, the score might have been the same, but reversed. You know, it just it just was one of those days. But that was an anomaly for Ohio State. I mean, 2015, they lost one game, and, and they had the best roster in college football. 2014, they they won a national championship. You know, 2016, they were a playoff team. 2017, you know, you had that fluke year we were just talking about. 2018, they were 13-1, and won, won the Rose Bowl. You only had one loss, beat Michigan. You know, 2019, they, they I mean, they took Clemson down to the wire. I mean, that was the defending national champs. They, they had a shot to win it at the end through a pick. You know, 2020, they played for the national championship in 2020. Like, they were that team. They were on the level with Georgia and Alabama and Clemson. In 2021, they get beat at home by, by Oregon and get smacked by Michigan. 2022, beat Notre Dame, beat Penn State. Two team, you know, Notre Dame wasn't that good early. Penn State, I felt last year was overrated. You get smacked by Michigan, and yeah, you, you know, you're now getting into Notre Dame territory where you're 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 bragging about a, a moral victory, which was actually a defeat against Georgia. But if we would have beat Georgia, we'd have won a championship, maybe, probably, but you didn't. You didn't beat Georgia. 
that's like Notre Dame saying, well, if we would have beat Georgia in 2017, you know, we might have been a different team against Miami. Maybe, probably, but you weren't because you didn't. And and that's kind of basic. That's, I mean, 2019, if Notre Dame beats Georgia, if Notre Dame gets the ball in Georgia territory less than two minutes ago, you've got the ball in their territory, you're down six points, a touchdown beats Georgia. That Notre Dame team at the end of the year, 11-1, and will win at Georgia's probably in the college football playoff. But they didn't. So they weren't. So you look at Ohio State, had the, the loss last year, and then they come out and lose two more regular season games this year. They're, they're, they're Clemson. That's who they are. They're, they're, they're the current version of Clemson. That Yeah, you're pretty good. You're a top 10 team, but you're not that. On the flip side, they beat Notre Dame. Then that's them saying, you know, you, you had your shots to get us. You didn't. You know, you, you had your shot, Notre Dame. We have a you know new starting quarterback. You know, this, this team is this. This team is that. We got some really good young recruiting classes that you don't want to play against in two years when they're juniors, right? And sophomores and juniors and seniors and things like that. Okay, that's that's fine. You had your chance and you couldn't beat us. So you're just not on our level. That's what's at stake for them in this game. And then I, I still think they're going to get back at Michigan this year. I do. I, I could be completely dead wrong about this, but I do think that this Ohio State team by November is going to be really good. Really good. They may be good now. We'll find out on Saturday night, but I think they're going to be really good in November. And I think they get back at Ohio at Michigan. And if I'm, but if I'm wrong, then that then then, then there's problems in Columbus for what their expectations are. I, I'm I'm curious to hear from some of the Ohio State fans in in the in the um, in the chat. Some of the reasonable Ohio State fans. Uh, what would you view? How would you view your team if they lose to Ohio State or if they lose to Notre Dame in Michigan this year? I'm very curious about that. You know. I, I'm very curious about that. Again, not not a, a homer take. I, I want an honest assessment. What would you say about your team if they lose to Notre Dame and Michigan again this year? Very curious about that. I'm going to just bring this one up now. Uh, what are your thoughts on Tim May? I am not going to comment on that. I'm just going to let you all. Uh, um, I, I gave some comments on on his interview on CFB Nation, which is uh, the other channel that I own. I gave put those on the message board, and that's where they're going to stay for now. So. Um, but uh, it was interesting. It was an interesting comment. But other than that, I have no, I have no, no comment, no comment about that. Pete Weber with a super chat. Thank you, Pete. Uh, sorry, I'll miss the tailgate, but dropping you guys a super chat to buy a few extra brats for tomorrow with my score prediction thirty one twenty one. I appreciate appreciate that, Pete. And his super chat was thirty one twenty one. I did it. Who do you think you are? I am big dogs for life. Is that I am thing? Is that like Pete Weber's like? Is that what he does? Isn't that what he does or something like that? Like the real, the real Pete Weber. So yeah, it's an interesting one. Tyler Evans with a super chat. Thank you, Tyler. And thank you, Pete. Very, very much for that, man. I'm sorry that you're not going to be at the tailgate tomorrow. Tyler Evans with a super chat. Thank you. If you had to pick one of these two schools, Clemson or Alabama, who gets their second loss this week? Percy, I think Clemson has a better chance to lose this week in Alabama. I I do not. I'll be shocked if Alabama loses to Ole Miss. Shocked. Um, and, And I was very shocked. When I saw that my entire staff picked Ole Miss to beat Bama, so I'm either going to look really smart or really stupid for making that pick. We all picked uh, all but one person picked Clemson to beat Florida State, which also surprised me. I thought I was going to be the only person that picked Clemson, or maybe only one of two. But uh, a lot of my staff picked Clemson to win that game. I I think of the two games. My personal opinion: I think some of my staff would disagree with you on this. They would say that that that. Clemson has, or um, that Alabama has the better chance to lose uh, because in their predictions, they picked Alabama to lose and Clemson to win. I, I just, 
I, I think this is a good matchup for for Alabama. I think they're going to run the football on Saturday. I, I think getting Jalen Milrow back for at least a week is going to spark them. I'm not a big Jalen Milrow fan. You guys know that, but he seems to be well liked by his team. He seems to have like a little bit of a you know Malik Zaire to him uh, as far as how the team rallies around him uniquely. Uh, and if you remember, that's how the, the team was with Malik. That, that for whatever reason, like Malik, just that team believed in Malik. And when Malik was on the field in 2015, like they thought they could beat anybody. And then when Malik went down, that team still had a lot of confidence from the leadership that he had showed during the season. But, you know, it, it couldn't be carried into the next year because Malik was no longer the leader of the team because of Brian Kelly's you know decision to, to have a quarterback battle. But Jalen just seems to kind of spark the team that way. And and. um We'll see if that carries into the Ole Miss game. I don't love this Ole Miss team. I think their offensive line has, has had some problems. I think that, that Alabama should have some success against them. I, I just don't think Nick Saban wants any part of losing to, to losing to Nick Saban or to uh, Lane Kiffin. And so, you know, he's going to pull out all the stops. That's that's basically what he's going to do. He's going to pull out all the stops. I just I just think Alabama wins this game. So of those two, if it, I, I would I would predict there's a greater chance that that Ohio State, or that Clemson loses, excuse me. Just your ordinary Joe. Forgive the boomer question. All good, buddy. I have to watch alone Saturday night. What can I do to somehow watch with the IB community or Indy family at large? Any live interactive things I've been missing? So, Joe, we're, we don't do like a live show during the game. Uh, we have a live chat on the message board, and I do believe that you're a member of our board. Actually, you are a member of our board. Uh, so we have like a live chat where people, you know, just post and respond to kind of what they're seeing. That's really all that we have is that, uh, but you're with IB community, you know, you're all watching it together. You're, you're engaging with each other. That's really the biggest thing is to do that. Um, you know, and eventually we'll, we'll probably get to the point maybe someday where we do like live streams, but it's just hard to do those because we can't actually show the game. So that makes it a little bit tough. We have a super chat from, and, but thank Joe, thank you for your super chat, by the way. Thank you for your super chat. Uh, Raheem Pelham asks, uh, thank you for Super Chat, Raheem. Is this the game we finally see a jet sweep from Love? Seems like he can really he can be really dangerous on that play. Uh, possible. Possible. I mean, look, you've seen his usage jump up the last couple weeks, Raheem, where not just where he's getting carries, but they're putting him in, in like two back sets. They're putting him on wheel routes. They're doing things, di- different things with him to give him the football. And some of that stuff has resulted in other guys coming open. Teams are very aware of him. Will Ohio State be aware of him? I would imagine so. So either you got to find different ways to try to get him the football in those situations, or you use him as a decoy. And I could see I could see Notre Dame doing both in this situation. But I'm, you know, it's funny. I had the same thought, Raheem, about that particular play or about a reverse. But I actually kind of thought about it from more of a Chris Tyree point of view. You know, just I'll just leave it at this. Like, you know, a play that the, I'll just leave it at this. And for you that watch the the games and you that are on the message boards, you know what I'm talking about. There was a play that Notre Dame ran this week, past week against Central Michigan, that would set up an opportunity to run something tricky off of it that we've actually seen in the past. Go for a big touchdown in a big game, and. um you guys, you guys that that are really keyed in and are on the message board will know what I'm talking about. There's no doubt. 
Indy estimate trucking with the question. Uh, is the Indy secondary good enough to hold Harrison and Ibuka under 50 yards, receiving, uh, forcing Ohio State to find another way to win? No, I don't think there's any secondary good enough to hold them under that, both under that kind of production. I don't. If you hold them under that kind of production, one of two things happened. Number one, you just destroyed their offensive line and your quarterback just could not get the ball out, just could not get the ball out. Uh, or number two, you got ripped up by somebody else. I mean, and that's what happened against Indiana. I, I, I don't believe I don't believe Harrison and Nekbuka came in were close to 50 yards against Indiana, but they got ripped up by Cade Stover. And and Julian Fleming had uh, some some money plays in that game, but that's what happened that game. But look, here's the deal. It wasn't the secondary that did that, in my opinion. It was the scheme did that, but exposed them to other things. And the fact that you had a first year quarter, first time, true first time starting quarterback. Like I I view his start two years ago against Akron, like I viewed Ian Book's start in 2017 against North Carolina. He, it's one thing to come off the bench and be the starter when there's no pressure. As soon as the starter's back, you're back to the bench. It's another thing when you're the guy and it's your team and the expectations are on you. And he didn't play well, but it was more about getting after the quarterback and getting the quarterback uncomfortable than it was uh, shutting down those two receivers. That makes sense. So, like, could you hold them under 50? Yeah, but it's more scheme related, front related than it is your corners just locked them both down. I, I don't, I don't think that's what you could do. If it is, that'd be phenomenal. But they're gonna get, they're gonna get their plays. That's what, that's gonna happen. There's no doubt in my mind. John A one with a super chat or with a question. John says, so far this season, from a talent standpoint, who is a more talented player than you thought they'd be? For me, it's Audric Estime. Uh, that's not my pick. I, I think Audric's, I mean, we saw Audric average 6.6 yards per carry in the last 10 games of last season. Like all these people that think Audric's is this big thumper and, you know, this is like Christian Okoye type of back. Like that's not what we saw last year. This is a dude that averaged 6.6 yards per carry in the last 10 games last year. That's a really impressive statistic. And, and um, you know, so for I mean, I get, I get why you're coming from John. It's not saying that, you know, you should, cause there's other guys that you're going to be right on, but like 6.6 yards per carry just for context would have been a top 25 ranking last year. If he'd have done that for, throughout the entire season and it would have been top, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11. It would have been 12th among backs that had at least a hundred carries. A lot of the guys that were higher than that didn't have a ton of carries. Like the leading rusher last year in the country for yards per attempt was John Lee Eldridge from Air Force, who I believe is a is a one of their slot backs. Let me let me just go check. Yeah, I believe he's one of their slot backs. He had seven point seven per carry, but he only had ninety nine carries, so he's getting a lot of those type of plays. So I, I don't really count that the same as like a a, a main back. And a couple of those guys were quarterbacks, so. I mean, he was a top 10 running back last year as far as guys that had over 100 carries last season. So I'm not overly surprised by that. Uh, Pat Coogan in the last game, a couple times this year, has been a little better than I thought he could be. He's been better. DJ Brown against NC State looked like, wow, like DJ's moving a little quicker than I'd seen in the past and, and making plays that we hadn't seen him make in the opener, much less in the past. So he, he'd be one, you know, there's John, there's really no, nobody else that I've seen that I'm surprised in a good way that they're more talented than I thought, because my whole argument that I've been making the last 
year especially and then the, heading into this season is this is a really talented Notre Dame team they just need to be you know guys got to step up they've got to be put in position to maximize their tool their skills and they need a quarterback so that would that would be it for me is is I don't think the talent has surprised me it's just getting it all together and we're gonna find out if they can do that tomorrow night Rock asks uh, if any what excuses can we expect if Ohio State loses in this game Good question, because if Notre Dame does win, they'll be there. Uh, it, it, young, it, Okay, so if the game plays out to where Kyle McCord doesn't play well, it'll be, well, you know, we've got a young quarterback, first-year starter quarterback. You guys needed a 30-year-old quarterback to come in and win. You, you've already seen some of that some of that being set up already in in a social media standpoint. It'll be, you, know, you got them early. Ohio State's going to be way better late. Um, you know, their offensive line is still gelling together. You'll think, see things like that. If it's a bad a bad call, well, we got screwed by the officials. So a lot of it's just going to depend on how the game plays out and what is the considered the primary reason for Notre Dame losing or Notre Dame winning and Ohio State losing. It'll come down to that, but it'll be something along the lines of like the quarterback and you know the the or they'll just flat out say this guy stinks as a coach, you know, whatever position coach team unit struggles and he should be fired. That's that's kind of the go-to for for some Ohio State fans that that make such a, a, irrational emotional decisions, which is similar to what Notre Dame fans do. If we're being honest, every time Notre Dame has a bad game on offense or defense, it's fire the coach. I mean, it's just fans who 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 make excuses tend to not be the most rational, uh, and they tend to be the most emotional, and so they tend to have the most extreme reactions to those type of things. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Rob Osgood with a question. What was your favorite pregame meal as a player? <laughs> whatever whatever our, our coaches were serving. No, honestly, um, I was a big chicken and pasta guy on for if I could. So like not together. And I'd, I'd like, you know, spaghetti. And then just a, a cooked chicken breast, like a really well cooked chicken breast, and pasta. That was kind of mine. Uh, in college, it was it was different because all of almost all of our games in college were like noon or one o'clock kickoffs. So in college, it was a, more of a breakfast. So I'd have scrambled eggs, I'd have bacon, I'd have potatoes, and I'd have either some toast or a bagel or a muffin, something like that. That was usually my go to for breakfast. It got a little tricky on the road because the type of scrambled eggs we'd get on the road were usually like not very good and you're like man i'm worried i'm gonna get sick if i eat these things uh you know but yeah potatoes scrambled eggs bacon and some kind of bread depending on what they had that was my go-to 
for uh, pregame meals in college because we always played afternoon games. Actually, I don't, I don't, I don't know. We ever played a, I don't know that I ever play. I've coached in some night games in college, but I don't think I've ever played in a night game in college. Yeah. I think the, the, yeah, I don't not, not, no, I'm, the year I redshirted in 99, we played a night game against William Patterson, but that's it. But I didn't play in that game. Every other game that I can remember was a day game. So it's a little bit different. So it was always breakfast, not, not dinners, but in high school, it was spaghetti and chicken it was my favorite. If I could have it, John Klimek wants Notre Dame balls out this season. Hypothetically, what coach do you think will get the most calls about leaving? Well, if Notre Dame balls out this year and that's going to mean two things happen. One is the running backs keep balling out. And two is the defense is, is lights out, right? Defense is going to have to be lights out tomorrow night for Notre Dame to win. They're going to have to be lights out against USC for Notre Dame to win. If Notre Dame beats Ohio State and USC and the defense plays well, Al Golden becomes a really hot commodity. Because who was, who was considered the two best offensive minds in college football? Think about this. It's Lincoln Riley and Ryan Day. And by most circles, that's who it is. If Al Golden's defense keeps both of those teams in check, and, and what I mean in check, I don't mean like you, you win 44 to 10. I just mean like they don't go off. They're, they don't dominate you. You hold your own. Your guys make plays and you win the game. Al Golden becomes a hot commodity for two reasons. That one is right there. Well, three reasons. Two, he's got NFL experience. And then number three, he's got head coaching experience. He was at Miami. He had a lot of success at Temple. Didn't have a ton of success at Miami, but he wasn't, you know, it was a terrible fit, in my opinion. Just a, a really terrible fit. Like if let's just say James Franklin left, let's just say Notre Dame's like just dominant the rest of the year. And and Al Gold's defense plays great and James Franklin leaves. I mean, I, I think Al Golden gets an interview at his alma mater. I, I would think so. And you're going to have a lot of NFL teams calling him. The other guy to me would be Dela uh, McCullough would, would be, would be the guy that I would think, because we know coach McCullough wants to be head coach. He said so publicly coach Freeman has said so publicly. Uh, he's got the mentality, the, 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 the way in which he develops his young people is very much in my opinion, in a head coach type of way. So I, I would expect Dylan McCullough to be one of those guys that gets a lot of head coaches uh, opportunities. If, if Notre Dame's a, a playoff team and they're they're really good this year, and Indiana's what we think Indiana's going to be the rest of the year, I mean, why would you not call Dylan McCullough if you're Indiana? I mean, he sent his sons there, uh, he coached there, he's at Notre Dame. That's going to carry a lot of Midwestern uh, uh, um, kind of swagger for a guy on the recruiting trail. I'd be thinking you'd be foolish if you're Indiana not to get Dylan McCullough call if Notre Dame's what we hope Notre Dame's going to be and you're looking for head coach. Those would be the two off the top of my head. I mean, other guys will get calls. Calls. Chancey Stuck, you'll get a lot of NFL receiver coach calls. Um, you know, a lot. Of, I mean, all their coaches are going to get called. To me, those two would be the most prominent. Now, I think the third might be Jared Parker if the offense keeps doing what they're doing, but I would hope that he would stay for at least another couple of years and really build up his reputation and, and build up his, you know, kind of what he's going on. D rock Iris. I'm here in Ohio state. will go up tempo tomorrow. Wouldn't surprise me. We saw them do this against Western Kentucky a little bit. Uh, I, I think that it also would make a lot of sense based on who Notre Dame is because Al Golden is a guy that likes to get a lot of calls in and a lot of communication. If I'm Ohio state and 
we can kind of go go up tempo when they're not expecting it. It may take Notre Dame a couple plays to kind of realize what's going on. They're looking to the sideline. You're snapping the ball. All of a sudden, boom, 40-yard gain. You've been able to get, get steal some yards. So it would not shock me at all. It would not shock me at all. Uh, force Notre Dame to be in their basic defense. Don't let them get a lot of their exotic calls in, things like that. I would. It would not shock me at all if Ohio State did that tomorrow. It, whether they'll do the whole game, I don't know if that's what they want to do. But if they, as a mix-up, coming out early and doing it, yeah. Yeah, I could absolutely see that. John Klimek, do you think Colorado's transfer portal roster is sustainable? Well, no, I don't think it's sustainable, but I don't I don't think Colorado's trying to do that. I don't think they're trying to re- revamp the roster and get 50 guys every year. I, I don't think that's Coach Prime's, Coach Sanders, excuse me, um, desire. I, I really don't. I mean, you know, he's got nine kids committed in the 2024 class. I would imagine that he's going to continue to try to recruit the the high school kids, but you're going to need to to rely on the portal for at least two to three years in order to get your depth chart where where you want it. I mean, just you're going to have to rely on it. I don't I don't think any coach that wants to be somewhere for any kind of period of time is going to rely on that for a long time. You're going to see coaches that are looking to move on quickly use it heavily to build up quickly, win and go. But any coach that has a desire to stay somewhere for a long time is not going to rely on the portal to that degree. That's why you don't see Kirby doing it. It's why you don't see Ohio State doing it. It's why don't you see Michigan doing it. You don't see Notre Dame doing it. You don't see Bama doing it. Now, these teams are absolutely, with the exception of Clemson, taking advantage of the portal. Ohio State starting left tackle is a transfer. Chip Tranum is a transfer. Um, they had some guys last year that were trying. I mean, they've gone to the portal for kids. Uh, David, uh, their Davidson, uh, it, it, I can't pronounce his last name. The, the corner, he's a transfer kid. Jahad Carter came in. He's a transfer kid. Uh, Tanner McAllister last year was a transfer kid. Uh, but Michigan's gotten transfers. They have like two offensive linemen, well, two, two or three offensive linemen this year. They're center from last year. Uh, they've got some defensive players. Mike Dana a few years ago was a grad transfer. They've been able to go to the portal, but – Notre Dame, Georgia, Bama, Ohio State, uh, Notre Dame, they've all been more targeted and how they've gone to the portal. Hey, we need a quarterback. Let's go get a quarterback. Uh, you know, we've we need a you know, we need some depth at defensive end. We need a big end. We let's let's go to the portal and get that. Man, we really need a nickel. We lost Tariq Bracey. Let's go find that. They're not building their team around uh the transfer portal in that regard. So I think those things are are important. Those things are 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 what you're going to do if your goal is to be somewhere for a while. Because I don't think any of the coaches of those programs are at those schools thinking, okay, let me go win for a year so I can springboard into this next job. Those are all destination jobs. And so the destination coaches are using the portal to fill needs, but still very much building around high school recruiting. The, t- the coaches that I believe either inherited terrible rosters like Dion. Uh, or coaches that are trying to to win quickly for other opportunities, which is what I think ultimately is 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 some of Lincoln Riley's motivation. Those guys are going to look at the portal much differently, which is I'm going to use a sucker to win as big as I can early, so I can springboard for somewhere else. I don't want to. I, I I don't know that that's Coach Sanders' desire. That's it, more of an assumption. He may love it there. I mean, I've heard he owns like a ranch down in like Texas or somewhere, like Florida or something like that. I forget where Coach Prime, where Coach Sanders lives now. Like it's his main home, but I remember he's like got a ranch and all that kind of stuff. Like he seems to be a guy that likes the kind of countryside that 
Colorado can provide. Maybe he wants to be different. You know, maybe he doesn't want to coach in the SEC. Maybe he wants to be somewhere he gets some kids out of that region. I don't know. I don't know what his desires are. I hope it's to stay at Colorado for a long time. I like it when coaches go somewhere, build it up, and stay there. But my expectation is is that he's not going to be there a super long time, and I hope I'm wrong about that, to be completely honest with you, because it'd be, it'd be fun to see him stay there. And it would help the Big 12 a ton if Deion Sanders stays at Colorado, a ton, because it makes that league – his presence alone makes that league far more valuable, far more valuable. Jacob Bramwell, give examples of how you chart games for a breakdown, i.e. notes on play to go back and break down. Well, Jacob, I, I have like kind of a running list, right? So each play I'm tracking, I'm down distance personnel, you know, what the concept was, what the play was. And if I need to check something, I literally just put a star by it or, you know, or, or I'll make it like a little, little dot on it. And then in between series, I'll have, so like I'll have on my computer, I'll have that up and I'll have like the stat sheet. I'll have my notes. And then beside me, I'll have, um, I'll have my iPad and my iPad usually has the game. Now, sometimes I'll have the game on my computer and I'll have it, you know, kind of juxtaposed with the, the live stats and I'll break it down that way. And so what I do is I usually like pause it right before the series starts and then I'll watch the series live and, you know, look up at the, at the TV if I need to see like a replay real quick in between plays if I don't, then what I'll do is in between each series, I'll kind of go back, look at the line, look at something that I, maybe I didn't see. That's why I focus on the things that the camera doesn't doesn't get. I'll focus on live. Now, what happened? You know, what happened on that run play? You know, I'm watching what the receivers and the DBs were doing. I, I don't know what happened. I don't know what that minus two was about. I may look up at the screen. They show the replay. Oh, that's what happened. Or in between series, I'll go back and watch it and kind of look at what happened. And that's how I. That's kind of how I, I do my breakdowns. And then. When I'm breaking them down after the game, I literally just go play by play and chart all my statistics and all my data. That's how I handle that one. John Climat needs a tailgating flagpole and then fly the colors. Yeah, I don't have a flagpole. I'm just going to be honest with you. I will not have an IB flag hanging. I just haven't had the time or thought of doing that. But if any of you have a flagpole and you want to come by, I certainly have the flag. Uh, I will have my IB flag there. It'll be hanging from the tent. We'll have a big Notre Dame tent we'll have out behind the the trucks and we'll be good to go. Also, if anybody has a general stadium lot pass that you're looking to sell, DM me or email me uh, because I'm looking for one. I thought I was going to have two. The person that I was going to get two from, we had a miscommunication. He gave me an extra one last night. I thought that was my second, but the person who normally gives me the one did not give me one. So I'm only have one, but I thought we're going to have two, but I'd like two so we can kind of have a real nice big setup. So if any of you are looking to sell us a general stadium lot pass, let me know. I'll buy it from you. Rob Osgood says, when was the last time Notre Dame had the advantage at quarterback in a big game? Boy, that is a, that is a really good question. Uh, boy. Um, I mean, 2015, they did not. The, the only big game they really played in 2015, they did not. 2020, they did not. Um, 29 i mean i don't count wisconsin in 2021 as a big game um so i have to i i really honestly cannot remember when that was yeah i, I mean like i said 2017 they never did 2015 nope i mean you probably have to go back to you know when when brady was a quarterback and even then it's like you know he's going against matt liner in one game and and troy smith in the other so it, it's been a long time. It's been a very long time. I would argue 
You know what? Here's when it was. It was 2020. When when Trevor Lawrence was ruled out because of COVID against Clemson in 2020, and they had to start DJ Uyunglele, Notre Dame had the advantage. And, and not the DJ, I mean, he had a big game statistically, but he didn't make like the money plays when it mattered the way Ian did in that game because Ian was so much more experienced. So I'd say 2020 against Clemson, when Trevor was ruled out, that was the last time Notre Dame had a quarterback advantage in a big game. That's a good one. Raheem Pelham says, what player on Notre Dame has the chance to increase their national profile more with a big game? Estimate uh, Hartman, Estimate, or Morrison? Well, you know, I I think despite the fact he's a preseason All-American, I think Benjamin Morrison is still not viewed as like an elite corner the way people talk about like Will Johnson and Kalen King. So, you know, him to a degree, you know, Estimate starting a bit love. If he goes off, he could be one. Of those three guys, I would probably go with estimate just because sam hartman's a, a, a pretty known commodity i think the only way it's hartman is if sam goes out and just i mean lights ohio state up because his profile would go from being a really good quarterback that's like a dark horse heisman contender to this dude is a legitimate heisman trophy contender to win it and that game on October was at 14th becomes huge when it comes to the Heisman trophy and the playoff race when it's him versus Caleb Williams. So I, I think Sam has the the best chance, like if he goes off, but people are just now starting to get a little taste of Audric Estime. And if he goes out and just goes off in this game with a big game, let's say he rushes for 150 yards. All of a sudden, his profile skyrockets. Whereas, like with Benjamin Morrison, he'll get talked about, but Benjamin Morrison will get talked about more by the nerds, like like me, the people that like really study the film. He won't be talked about by the people that just look at the stats and watch the game on TV, like the guys that like really dive into the film. And you know, I'm trying to like Jonathan Vilma, and Dan Orlovsky, and Greg McElroy, guys like that that really like to me seem like they really study film. Those guys are going to watch them like, dude, this number 20 for their name is legit. But most of the talking heads don't watch that to that degree. So I don't know. And and what I mean is like Benjamin Morrison, if he plays a great game, you're not going to see him. You're not going to hear his name. Like probably the whole game, unless Ohio State keeps throwing at him and he has two picks again. But if Audric go, but then it's like, well, I had preseason All-American. Some of you are waking up to him. But Audric could go from, you know, a guy that we're just now starting to hear about a little bit to that's the best running back college football if he goes off on Saturday. I'm not saying he is, but that'll be the reputation. And I kept thinking, man, like if he if he goes off on Saturday night, he's going to have a legit shot to win the Doke. And I just remember thinking like, man, this kid is just a unique kid. Because you guys remember after the 2021 season ended, do you remember after Notre Dame lost to Oklahoma State in a game where Audric Estimate carried the ball, I believe, one time? for negative yards i'm gonna go look at that just make sure that i'm accurate because i think he carried the ball in that game one time for negative yards just give me a second he might have carried it twice just like want to be accurate so just give me a second here he carried the ball in 2021 against ohio against oklahoma state one time for minus one yards the only other time he touched the ball that entire season he had six carries for 61 yards against georgia tech that is it and after that game, Audric Estime tweeted out that he was going to win the Doak Walker Award. Like, seriously. 
He tweeted out on after that game he's going to win it. Like the kid just had one yard for like minus one carry, you know. Um, so it's uh, it's pretty interesting. So anyway, um, that could be a, a a bit of a breakout performance for me. All right, let's go here. Um, Tyler Erig with a question. Thank you, Tyler. He says, "Is there anything about what Jim Knowles does schematically that has you worried, or any parts of uh, you think ND can exploit?" Well, I, mean, I think the middle of the field, some of the things that, that Notre Dame has been vulnerable to with how they play is, is also something Ohio State's a little vulnerable to, all layers of the middle of the field. Uh, that's where Notre Dame exploited Oklahoma State two years ago. Now, I, I know that Oklahoma State is, was not coordinated by Jim Knowles. I understand that. I'm not saying that's a Jim Knowles thing, but it was still his defense, and it was still the same philosophy. And look where Notre Dame had success. You had the inside post route by Lorenzo Styles Jr. for a touchdown, you had the blitz beater right behind the pressure to Chris Tyree for a 50-plus yard touchdown. Notre Dame had a lot of success throwing the ball over the middle of the field that game. And it's similar there. There's times you, if you can get in one-on-ones where you think you have a, an outside matchup, you can do that if they're bringing the safeties down. If he is blitzing a lot, like Notre Dame, you can catch him in the right call. You can gash it. Michigan did that great last year. But if they play more basic, it just comes down to you need your dudes to execute better than their dudes and play harder than their dudes and be better than their dudes. That's what it comes down to. And that's what I like about what he's done so far this year. Uh, What he does schematically that could give me problems is we talked about earlier, Tyler, is he does a good job of putting a lot of stress on centers and guards with his line games and, and, and second level pressures. A lot of aggressive, quick twists, a lot of slants that are really fast and get after you. And the linebackers time stuff up really well. They don't just bring quick slants where you see it. Like if it's a, if a linebacker stacked right here over the center and and there's a, a shade here and he goes here and that guy goes there, I can see that pretty easily as a quarterback and as, a, as an alignment. But he does a lot of stuff where he'll slant the three technique across and then bring the backside backer around. And sometimes you don't see it in time uh, to pick it up. And that's a longer pressure, but it, it's effective because the quarterback is at the top of his drop. He sees over here and all of a sudden, boom, the linebacker sitting him from behind. So it's, um, it, it's stuff like that where he really stresses the interior of the line. That that's really where it can be a, it can be a, a, a problem in my opinion, for sure. So, all right, let's get to some more questions here. Uh, Irish Gordian Knott says, if you could pick a single Notre Dame skill player to have their best game, who would it, be well kind of answered this already uh igk it's really comes down to one of the chris tyree or tobias merriweather uh, and, and i would probably go with 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 ty with tyree being the 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 bigger one for me that that would probably be whew. That would probably be it because I just think the things he could do in this game could really be damaging schematically that opens up other opportunities. But honestly, it, between him and Tyree, him and Tob- Tobias having their best game. And, and the reason I pick them over like Jaden Thomas, for example, is because if Jaden Thomas has a big game, he's money, right? He's like nine catches for 120 yards. He's converting third downs. He's getting red zone touchdowns. He's blocking his butt off. And it's impactful. It's very impactful. But if it's Tobias or Tyree, it's. 120 yards on like four carries, two touchdowns. It's over the top. It's big plays. It's stuff that makes Ohio State say, we can't keep doing that anymore because they're just going to kill us with big plays. It's it's that kind of thing, which that 
that tends to force a defense out of what they're doing more. And then all of a sudden that opens up Jaden Thomas, that opens up the run game, that opens up the tight ends. And, and that's kind of, to me, where I look at it and say, hey, this is, this is where those guys could have a major impact if they can just go off and have like a four-catch, 100-plus yard game where they have like rip off two big plays and, you know, that kind of performance. That can really, really scare a team into out of what they're trying to do. And the same thing is true on the flip side. It's like if, you know, one of their receivers is beating you over the top, it's like, man, you got to. You got to You can't keep doing that. You can't keep giving up sixty-yard play. You're giving up three plays of, of fifty yards or more in this game. You can't do that, right? Like, you think that the Clemson game in 2020. If, if you really break the game down, you're like, how did Clemson? How did Clemson rack up that many yards? Like, I don't even remember them really being overly efficient in that game. You're like, they weren't. Man, they didn't run the ball very well that game. They didn't. Well, how did Clemson stay in that game? Because they hit a bunch of big plays in the past game. You know, uh, was a Cornell Powell hit a couple big plays. You know, uh, Armani Rogers beat beat Notre Dame on, for a big gain on a on a third down. It was it was those big plays in the pass game that helped them stay in that game. And you take those away, and that game's not close. It, it, it isn't. Notre Dame blow, blows them out, beats them by 17, 24 points. It was like twenty three to it was like twenty three to ten at one point in time. Like Notre Dame was on them pretty good, and then they just big play, big play, and they're right back in it. And and that's the thing you gotta you've got to avoid against both teams have to try to avoid in this game. Matt Lee asks, uh, "Hey Brian, a coworker of mine today at work said he hopes we go with eight in the secondary to make it harder for the young quarterback uh, to have a harder time in the passing game." And so, what say you? No, um, no. And, and I by eight in secondary, I'm assuming he means dropping eight, so the linebackers drop it off. No, I, I don't want to do that because if 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 you're going to do that, I think Ohio State's probably licking their chops. If you're going to drop eight, they're just going to say, fine, we're going to just run it on you all day. I mean, I don't think they're opposed to that. I don't think this is a really physical Ohio State team. But schematically, if you're just going to drop and bail all day, they'll run their stretch and their wraps and their their inside zones just at you all day and just gash you. I don't think they're opposed to that. I mean, that's what they did to Notre Dame last year when Notre Dame was giving them a really hard time in the past game. They just said, okay, we're just going to start leaning on you and run the football. So, I, I you know, look, the way that you – now, his his – your coworker, I shouldn't say uh, him. I don't know that you said him in there, uh, but your coworker's point about making it harder on the young quarterback is valid. I just think dropping eight all day is going to be the answer. Now, are there times on third and seven when you show heavy pressure and drop eight? That I can live with because as a mix-up. Because you may get him thinking like, hey, I'm going to throw the slant route right behind this guy. And then all of a sudden, Maris Leofow drops underneath the slant, picks it off or something like that. Or Xavier Watts does or something. Like that's more of a mix up though, but it's not like your base defense. But it's mix showing one pre-snap look and rolling to something different. You know, showing off coverage and coming up to take away the quick game. Showing press and then bailing to protect against this. You know, safety's playing here and then they're rolling this way, that way. Linebackers coming up and sometimes they come, sometimes they smoke. Uh, there's different things that you can do uh, bringing pressure from depth, linebacker depth, not safety depth, uh, you know, bringing corner fires every now and then. If you like, if, if you know, like, Hey, when they line up in this alignment, we know with pretty good certainty that the back is blocking field side in a three by one. Right. So, or releasing field side in a, in a certain look. And so we know if we bring our linebacker, if our edge smashes right into the face of the tackle, we know we can bring a corner fire and he won't see it. And you get like one shot at that and you got to time it perfectly. 
and you know something like that that's the kind of it's doing stuff like that that can really give problems to a to a young quarterback is where he's just now he's thinking he's not sure he's uncertain of what he's seeing that's when you start having success but drop an eight all game is ohio state will just say fine we'll just run it at you all day run screens we'll just run it at you and and he's going to sit in the pocket and have a lot of time to throw and and i don't care how many guys you're dropping if a quarterback's got all time to throw he's going to find somebody especially when he's got the receivers that ohio state has Sly Fox 110404. Do you think a big key is Zeke, Pat, and Rocco? Absolutely. Talked about that in a little bit in an article I wrote yesterday. Uh, Sly Fox, but yes. And then I talked about the guards being a big key to success in my Wednesday show. So, yes, absolutely. John, John Lawn asks If Notre Dame wins this game, are they a real championship contender? Sure, of course. I mean, if they lose in a close game, they're still a contender because they they they'll have a they'll have a they'll be in a top ten team. By the time the playoff committee comes out, they'll have a win over USC if they if they win that game, just hypothetically speaking. So there's still plenty of opportunities for them to to build a playoff resume. This makes it a lot harder. Both of these teams can lose tomorrow night and still be a playoff team. There's no doubt. You just can't lose anymore. But both of them have enough big games. I mean, Penn State has two games against top ten teams left. Uh, Notre Dame would have a, at least one top 10 team left on their schedule uh, in in uh, in USC plus Duke's going to be a top 20 team Clemson if they can beat win this weekend they could be end up being a top 10 team when it's all said and done by that point in time so they'll both have plenty of, of big games left on their schedule just makes it a lot harder the winner absolutely absolutely uh, is a championship contender whoever wins this game is certainly that and that includes Notre Dame Stevie Wonder, what's the schedule for home night games for the players? How do they fill their time without getting drained? I don't know. I mean, usually you just chill. They're, they're at a team hotel. They'll do different functions. They'll have like breakfast in the morning, have some early meetings, and probably go chill for a little bit, maybe watch some of the noon games, then come back for more meetings later. Uh, and a lot of the meetings will just be kind of like check-in type things and just go over a couple things. You don't want to put too much on them mentally. It's just about making sure that they're – staying on the game and, and you just re- really let them have some downtime. Uh, just let them relax. Let them watch co- some college football. Maybe let them see their families at the hotel, stuff like that. And then you'll have a, a team dinner before you head over to the stadium. And usually you'll have a team dinner, obviously uh, there'll be like snack bar most likely during the, during the day too, where they can kind of get their, their um, you know, their proper nutrition and all that kind of stuff. So it, it's usually just hanging around the hotel until they head over to the stadium. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.